Hi, welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Oh, that was good. It made me anticipate. You know, as I was uh, thinking about us, life, all these things, and as we in today's sermon, the title is The Truth About God and Suffering. I don't know about you, but I hate suffering. I don't like to suffer. I don't like to hurt. I don't like to go through hard times. I wish life was easy and just always went exactly as I planned. But I don't think any of us really like to suffer. We don't like hard things, and we, it's hard to find value in it. And we try to avoid suffering at all costs, don't we? We try to avoid hard things. We try, we just, we, we try to. But if suffering is part of life anyways, what if there was a way to find value in it? You see, with God, suffering is part of the process. It is in suffering that God is able to give us comfort. The world can't out-suffer God's comfort. But God can out-comfort the world's suffering. You see, this is what's confusing. This is what confused even the ancient and our modern world is this idea of suffering and comfort and how God can meet us and do amazing things and how Christians can still be okay and praise God in suffering. The cross was the worst way a person could suffer in ancient times. It, it was, when, when Jesus died on the cross, it was the Romans, it was their idea. They tried to design a way that would make a person suffer in every bit of bodily suffering and mental suffering possible. So they thought through, how can we make a person suffer? And they came up with the cross. What the cross was, they would put nails in your wrists they would put a nail in like the, the core ankle joint. They would put it in key joints. They would put a little ledge under your feet. That, and what would happen as you would die is you wouldn't die necessarily from the nails. You would die from suffocation. Because what would happen is as you're shrinking down, you wouldn't be able to breathe. And so what would you have to do? You'd have to push up on the little ledge below your feet and that nail in your ankles. And you'd push up, take a deep breath, and sink back down. Suffering. But the same cross that brought the greatest suffering brought the greatest comfort in Jesus. Suffering and death for Jesus meant comfort and salvation for us. This didn't make sense. The cross is a paradox. It, it, it didn't make sense to people. How can comfort and suffering be related? Well, we all suffer, don't we? So what are we going to do in it? Know this. Comfort can be found in all suffering. It can. And in that comfort, God uses it to help others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. 
God, some of us, we're walking through some suffering right now. We're walking through hard times right now in our lives. Some of us, we're, life is maybe we're in between sufferings. Maybe our suffering is, is parenting our kids right now, and it's just a struggle. We've got young kids, and that, that can be tough. Some of us, maybe it's, it, it's, just, it's work. I, I don't know what it is, God, but we're all walking through different phases of our life, and, and we walk through suffering. And so, Lord, I ask that you would be our great comforter today. God, that we would find peace in you. Jesus, I thank you that we're not the only church meeting. Lord, may these words that we pray as we think of other churches, may it resonate in our hearts that we're not alone. But Lord, that we're thankful for churches that, that, that preach your name and preach your grace. Lord, I pray for Ben at Relentless. God, I lift up uh, Jared over at Desert City. God, I lift up my friend Eric over at the bridge. And Jesus, I ask that you bless us here at City View in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, today we are starting our study, our series called The Paradox of the Cross as we study this book, as we look at this book of 2 Corinthians. And over the next 13 or so weeks, you know how good I am at staying on time with weeks and not going too long in a chapter, but the goal is we're going to get through 2 Corinthians in 13 weeks. Um, there's 13 chapters, so chapter a week, who knows if I'll do it. Um, that's my goal. Um, <clears throat> The goal is to be finished before Christmas and then start a new book in December or January. Um, I, right now I'm leaning towards the book of Revelation. We'll see um, in a couple weeks if that's what we decide. But right now that's what I'm heavily leaning towards. So we're starting 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So turn there in your Bibles. Scan the code in front of you. That'll take you there. If you don't have a Bible, you can use your phone. Scan that code. Go to the Bible. Go to the passage where we are, 2 Corinthians today. And then I want to remind you, September 30th is date night. Um, if you are dating somebody, maybe you're married, whatever that looks like in your life, I want you to come September 30th, 6 o'clock. I believe it's 6 o'clock. I totally forgot exactly what time, but I think it's 6 o'clock. Um, there's going to be dinner. Um, we're having barbecue. I'm not cooking. A friend of mine is doing all the cooking for us. Um, but it'll be a great time for you, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, um, to come and enjoy a night of music and a night of story um, with Out of the Dust, a husband and wife team that are coming to, to um, just tell us their story and music that they've written as their story, as part of their story. And it's a great time to meet new people and have good dinner. So don't miss it. It's 40 bucks. That covers all your food and everything. Thing, um, that will be there for the night. So sign up for that because um, we do have limited spots, limited uh, space. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And I forgot one thing. I need my laser pointer today. <laughs> Let's see if the kids have messed with it, which they have. How do I do the laser pointer? There it is. Sorry, you guys, just discuss amongst yourselves real quick. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of Corinth, which is at, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Acacia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So first here, Paul, he, he, that, that tells us who's writing this letter. It's Paul. It's an apostle of God. He was a hater of Jesus. That's how he started his sort of his religious career was hating Jesus, hating Christians, trying to kill them, trying to get rid of them, trying to do anything and everything he can. And on one of his first journeys of going to kill Christians and imprison them, he was actually blinded by God. And then Jesus spoke to him and said, Paul, I have a different course for your life. So then Paul went on this new course where now not, he's no longer persecuting, but now he is the persecuted. He is this guy who is wanting to make sure the whole world knows that there's a Jesus in heaven that loves them. On one of Paul's first missionary journeys as he's going throughout, he, in Acts chapter 18, it tells us how he lands in this place in Macedonia, and he starts this church called Corinth. It's a church that he loves and cares deeply about. Now, here's where Corinth is. Um, if you, there's, I should have a map coming up here. So here's the region of the Mediterranean Sea, okay? We, we, as, I was looking, as I was looking at maps, I'm like, okay, but where is Corinth? So you got Italy over here. You got Greece. That, that's, this is Greece right here. And you got all, this is Turkey here. We're going to see that in a little bit. As This is an old ancient map. And you have Corinth right here. Now let's zoom in on this region right here. So here's Corinth. You got Turkey, Greece, you've got Corinth. Corinth was a key location for trade. It was a key location for culture. It was a cultural hub. You can leave that map there. It was a cultural hub. It had two harbors. It had a harbor on one side and a harbor on the other side so that traders can come and do everything they needed in regards to making sure their products got to wherever it needed to go. They actually, at one point, what they would do, because this little area was so small, it was only a few miles wide, and my hand is so shaky. Sorry, totally distracted me. Um... I'm like my dog. If you do this with my dog, my dog goes crazy. You, you, I do this to myself, and I'm like, my hand shakes. <sighs> Good thing I don't do that all the time. That sort of messes with my brain. Um, but they actually made a, like a channel. What they would do at times is they would actually, if their boat was small enough and light enough, they would carry their boat from one side to the other. But this was such a huge cultural hub. Culture was created there. Um, money and products were created and traded there. It was, it was the place of the biggest temple, one of the biggest temples for the goddess Aphrodite was there. It was also one of the most sexually perverse cities in the region where they had a, their temple had over a thousand people that did not appropriate acts to each other. We have children in here, and so I don't want to keep my language, but a lot very perverse sexual acts were done in that temple. It was actually people who lived that kind of sexual perverted lifestyle were called like Corinthians. They were, it was sort of this nickname that people were given that this lifestyle was. And so Paul first visited this area in Acts, and he started this church the church was prominently Gentile, meaning not Jewish. It means anybody else. So that's this area. Paul cared so much for this area. It's believed he wrote four different letters to the Corinthian church. 
The first letter is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, where he says, he says there, I wrote to you in my letter not, associate with sexual, not to associate with sexual immorality. So he's saying, I wrote to you. We don't have that letter. And then he wrote 1 Corinthians, the letter we have. And then in 2 Corinthians, as we study this, we'll find in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he refers to a letter called the, tear, the tearful, sorrowful letter, where Paul actually wrote four different letters. It's, it's the city that he wrote the most letters to because he cared so much for them, because they were, that was a place that so much culture, but Christianity spread like crazy from there. And so he wanted to make sure that what they were taught and what they understood was truth. But there were so many bad things happened. It was just sort of a messy kind of church, which I think all churches need to be okay with messy. So let's dive into now 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And as I was studying it, I, I realized, and what I want to look at today are five truths about God and suffering. We're going to look at five truths about God and suffering that I found um, in First or Second Corinthians chapter one um, this week. The first truth is mercy and comfort originate from God. Mercy and comfort originate from God. Second Corinthians chapter one verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Paul here, he says this phrase, blessed or praise be to God. Paul uses this phrase. He's, he's written multiple letters, but he only uses this phrase, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He only uses it three different times. And each time he uses it, it's similar, yet it's speaking to a different time in our life. One of the times he uses it is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, where he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. This first blessing or this first moment of praise is, he says, praise God for the past. Praise God for how he has blessed our lives. And then as we studied 1 Peter, the second thing, the second one I want to look at, where Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to future a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain future an inheritance. Peter writes, Praise God for the future. For a living hope to obtain. I'm sorry, I said... Um, what Paul wrote, no, this phrase, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is mentioned only three times, twice by Paul, once by Peter. And this here, in our point, in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all mercies and the God of comfort. Praise the God of the present. You see, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. He's worthy of praise in every moment and every step of our lives. And so as Paul is, is sharing with us here in Corinthians, this, is, this book of 2 Corinthians is Paul's most intimate book. 
It's that place, it's that entering into a person, a a preacher's life, and it's seeing all the areas they struggle with, all the areas they're having a hard time with, the areas of, of people going against them, the areas of him having to confront people on these issues. It's Paul's most intimate, most struggled through book that he wrote where we get this glimpse into his life. And he here, he's, he starts off verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, the God and Father. This is not referring to like our dad. This idea of father is actually originator or the idea that is used more now, the OG. The OG of something, the, the original gangster of something. That's the idea. And God is the OG of mercy, the originator of mercy. He is the originator, the OG of comfort. It, it's who he is. It's in his DNA. It, it's what comes out of him. It's who he is to the core. It's what flows out of God. God is comfort. God can't not be comfort. It's what, it's what he does with his life. It's, it's what he shows to those he loves. It's what he wants to do for people. It's what he cannot do. He can't not show comfort. He has to show comfort. So as Paul writes this, he says, God is the father of comfort. So as we said, the first truth is mercy and comfort originate from God. They didn't come from anywhere else. And he's not the God of some comfort. He doesn't look at your life and go, oh, I can comfort you in that, but oh, I can't comfort you in that. Oh, you broke up with your girlfriend. I can't comfort you in that. Oh, somebody passed away. I can comfort you in that. Oh, you lost your job. I can't comfort you in that. Oh, you, you need finances. I can comfort you in that. No, God is the God of all comfort, all encompassing. There's not a single thing that God can't comfort and give us mercy and walk us through. God is the originator of comfort. And this word comfort, kids, you're going crazy right now because I keep saying comfort, comfort, comfort. I just said it three times. I said comfort, comfort, comfort. So I just said it three more times. <laughs> you guys are gonna, good thing those are all in my notes. I have no idea. This word comfort doesn't have the idea. Of, um, Sam, can you come up here real quick? Yeah, you are here. It's not this idea of, of like, oh, Sam, are you hurt? Are you okay? It's not this idea of like consoling and coming alongside and being like, oh, I hope you feel better. You know those people that comfort like that? And you're like, just sit down and rest. You know that kind of comfort? That's not what God's saying. That's not that word. This word comfort is, Sam, you okay? You got it? Yeah. Let's go. Let's walk it together. That's a, it's like strength. Hey, Sammy, let me help you up here. Let me keep you going. Let's make sure we finish this. That's this word comfort. It's not a coddling kind of comfort. It's let's get up. Let's get moving. We're not standing still. We got places to go. God is the God of all comfort. He's the one that's lifting us up and making sure we can keep going. Sam, thank you so much. That's comfort. You see, it's different. We think God's just going to sit there and like coddle us and be like, no, that's not it. He's like, let's get up. Some of us, that's what we do. We're all sad and we get into our dark rooms. We close our blinds. Like, you know, the, I, I know some of us love blinds closed. And I walk into some of these homes when I'm like spraying and they have all their windows closed. And I'm like, you know, God created the sun to make you happy. Like sun is happy. It's It's nice. I know sometimes you close your blinds because it's like that's the hot side of your home, but maybe the reason you're sad in your home is it's dark. 
Dark is sad. Light is good. Let the light in. Let. And so I, I, God, though, is, is not going to... Now, he, there are moments where he does that, but that's not the word being referred to here. This is that word. It's like a coach. It says, hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay, let's get back out there. Let's keep, but I'm going to walk you away. He doesn't send us out alone. He says, I'm going to go with you. The God of all comfort. You see, we don't like thinking comfort. We don't like thinking coddled, especially if you're a dude. You're like, I don't want to be coddled. God says, no, we, we got to go. But I'm going with you because the reason why you're hurting right now is probably because you were alone. So the God of all comfort walks with you. Second truth about sufferings. God and sufferings. Your suffering is never wasted with God. Never wasted. Now, when you're not walking with the Lord, your sufferings can sometimes be wasted. You're like, why am I going through this? Well, maybe it's because you and God are at ends. But when you're walking with the Lord and you're going through those hard times of life, God does not waste those sufferings. He uses them for his glory. It may take weeks, months, years to see how God's going to do it, but he never wastes them. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4, 6, and 7. We're going to come back to 5 in point 2. It says, this God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we will be able to comfort those who are, in, who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. And these kids are like, you're going to get hands tired. And salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you, are, as you are shares of your suffering, so also are your shares of our comfort. It says, who comforts us in all our afflictions. Afflictions or troubles. The idea of this word is to be weighed down with a heavy burden. Have any of you ever gone through sufferings like that? We are just weighed down. It may be that time when you have a thousand things to do and you're weighed down. It maybe it's that time where you're struggling, you're, you're parenting your kids and, and you've got kids at all different levels and you're helping your high school, your, your older high school kid walk through their struggles because what a, a junior walks through is different than what a freshman walks through is different than what a fifth grader walks through. And so you're carrying those, those afflictions, those, those troubles. You're, you've got that on your back. And it, it, this idea is, is this comfort, this, this afflictions. It's, it's this mental picture that Paul is trying to, to get these people, which they would have got. We've got to understand it. We've got to dive a little deeper into the words. It's this idea of an animal carrying a burden, which we've all been there. We all have carried those afflictions of burdens. And Paul says, our great God of all comfort, he comforts us in all our afflictions. Have you ever carried something too heavy for yourself and then somebody at the right moment comes alongside and helps you? That's what Paul is trying to get us across here. 
is this idea of somebody walking along life with us. You see, God has us walk through hard times, not just so that we carry it and then we're done with it and we look going, God, what was that for? But God has us walk through things so that he can use us to help others walk the same path. That we might come alongside others as they are needing comfort and say, hey, I've, I've gone through that before. This is why belong groups are so key. This week I was, we host, a, or here at City View, we host a, um, a mom's belong group. And I was walking by and I heard one mom say, I wish this group was around when I had my first kid. Because what she was saying is like, I wish I could have had this encouragement and the comfort of other moms going, hey, I've made it. It's going to be okay. It's comforting when you're in the men's belong group and you're there and one dude is talking about his life and struggles, whether it's health or whether it's parenting or, or work, and another dude says, yeah, I've been there. And we don't sit there and we're not coddling, but it's this idea of like, I've been there, I've walked through that. And the reason why you, you are in those belong groups and the, we have all different belongs. We have men, we have mom, we have, we have couples, we have youth, we have young adults, we have all different kinds. But it's where you get into a group and you realize you've, somebody else has been through it and you can walk through it because you've seen them. And they can help you walk through it. And they go, I've been there. I've done that. Let's walk this together. This idea, Paul's trying to get us out of our minds, out of ourselves thinking, I've got to walk through this alone. Paul's like, that's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to think you're all alone. You're the only one who's ever walked through that in the entire life. You're the only one who's ever walked through addiction. You're the only one who's ever walked through um, not knowing how to parent your kid. You're the only one who's ever walked through your kids being driving you so up the wall that you don't know how mentally you're going to make it. You're the only one who's walked through a battle with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You're the only one who's walked through losing a job. You're the only one who's walked through having parental or having family discord in your family. The devil would love to isolate you and think you're all alone. And he makes you busy. But God says through Paul, but the reason why you walk through things is God's not going to waste what you've walked through. Because he wants to use what you've walked through to encourage the next person. And some of you had to have had to walk through things alone. That's tough, isn't it? And the only thing you had was either maybe your parents, maybe it was just you and God. But how many of you have ever walked through something and somebody else walked through it with you? You see, that's God using you and saying, I'm not going to waste your suffering. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And sometimes we are embarrassed of what we've gone through. And we think no one else wants to hear it. How many of you ever thought, I don't need to share this. They don't want to hear my, what I struggle with and how I got through. Any of you ever not say something because you felt nobody wanted to hear? Okay, most of us. How many of you have ever thought that, but you said it anyways? Anybody ever say it? And how many of you have ever said it and somebody said, thank you for saying it? Anybody ever have that experience? Raise your hand so that we can see. You see, there are those times where God wants to use you 
to encourage somebody else because we all are going through tough times. Some of us are wasting them. But some of you, you've seen God bless through them. So walk through your trials for a purpose. God doesn't waste your suffering. The third truth I found is God's comfort outweighs the world's suffering. That's a truth. God's comfort outweighs the world's suffering. At times in, in your life, as you are going through those suffering, they can feel so burdensome. But how many of us have ever felt that moment where you're walking through, you're walking through suffering, you're walking through hard times, but somehow you keep walking and God keeps comforting you and you keep moving? That's the idea of comfort. It's not a stop, stop and stay still. It's a keep going, keep walking, somebody walking with you, God Sometimes it's God using somebody. God, God's comfort outweighs the world's suffering. Verse 5 now. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Suffering outweighs God's comfort when we don't turn to God. That's when suffering outweighs it. When we carry it on our own. When we don't come to God, it, it, it gets way too heavy and that's so many times when our anxious thoughts multiply within us. It's that, it's that idea when, we are, when you get so weary and you, you get sometimes, sometimes there's mental and chemical imbalances, but sometimes it's just a matter of us not putting, going to God. And I think so many times it's that in life. And we just start caring. And what we do is we stop going to church. We stop going to group. We stop serving. And we cut out the one person who can actually help. But God's comforts outweigh the world's suffering. You see, Jesus, as it says here in, in verse 5, Jesus understands suffering. He went through it. This is going to be a slide behind me telling us a, like, a, 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 quite a few of his different sufferings. If you want to take a picture of that, you can, because I'm not going to read them all. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, you can leave that up there for a little while. Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. Jesus understands being born to an unwed mother. Jesus understands being born in an unstable situation in your home and around. Jesus understands being born to parents who don't have enough. Jesus understands living and feeling threatened in life. Jesus understands having people opposed to you. Jesus understands having your family not like you. Jesus understands not having the things you need. Jesus understands being betrayed by a friend. Jesus gets your suffering. But God's comfort outweighed it for him. The closer we walk with God, the more we realize his comforts outweigh our suffering. That doesn't mean sufferings aren't heavy. Because sometimes they are, aren't they? When you walk through your marriage and getting divorced or being betrayed, that's still heavy. When you walk through a loss of a child, that's still heavy. 
when you're dating somebody and they break up with you, that's still heavy. But somehow, I don't know how it works, but God's comforts outweigh it. I look at Tony and Lisa. Tony is our executive pastor here at City View, and you, maybe you have or haven't seen his daughter. She's in a wheelchair. And the struggles they go through on a daily basis, whether she doesn't sleep for 72 hours in a row or multiple different things. And I look at how they just keep going. You know why? Because God's comfort outweighs their suffering. Because they, they rely upon that. In God, as, as we go through life, it doesn't mean those things go away. But it means God comes alongside and picks us up. And sometimes it's God. And then it's your friend Dwayne. It's your friend Kevin. All of a sudden you've got these dudes around you because you're in community. You're not alone. Because if you're alone, you will fall and you will get hurt and it will stink. But when you're in community, all of a sudden you've got these guys that are around you. that are like, hey, keep, let's keep going. You just can't sit there and cry all night long. You got to keep going. You got to keep moving. Because God's comforts outweigh your suffering. The fourth truth I saw is as, as this idea of God's comforts outweigh, the longer we walk with God, the quicker we look to Him. The quicker we look to Him, and, and, and He leads us to this next truth we have here is. Suffering produces trust in God. As you walk through these sufferings and as you see that God comforts, all of a sudden when the next suffering comes, you're like, God, how are you going to comfort me in this? You start trusting him and realizing, okay, God, you don't let me down, but this is going to hurt. This one hurt. God, how are you? And there's, there's those moments where you're like, God, where are you? But have you ever been in that where it's like you, the more, some of you, you're mature believers. Some of you have been believers longer than I've been alive. Well, I've been alive a long time. There's not many people older than that. But there's, there's a handful of you in here. Um, I'm 44. I'll be 45 October 3rd if you want to get me anything. Um, <clears throat> but would you not say, those of you, I'm going to talk to Doug and Carolyn. Would you not say that the truths of God, the more you walk with him, the quicker it is to turn to him? Because suffering produces trust. Verses 8 through 10, Paul says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our afflictions, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life, Indeed, we also had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from this great peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us. Suffering is too much for us to carry on our own. Comfort is is meant to take the burden so that we can keep moving. 
Paul here, he gives some pretty descriptive language of, of the affliction and the hard times he's going through. And maybe some of you, you've been through those moments. Did you, did you catch those words of his struggle? Did you catch how real Paul is? Paul is like, this letter, Paul is so, I love 2 Corinthians. I didn't realize how much I loved it until I've been studying it this time. I'm like, oh man, I, I get this guy. He says, man, I was, he says in, in verse um, 8, I'm, I'm reading out of the NASB, so keep that. I don't know if I'm going to read the NLT. He says, in Asia, we were burdened excessively. How many of you have ever been burdened excessively with something? You ever just felt like it was just so overwhelming? He says, we were beyond our strength. Anybody ever been there with a burden? Your worries, your struggles, your, your relationship, or whatever you're going through. Burdened beyond your strength. And then he says, I was, to dis- I was despaired even to the point of I thought I was going to die. Anybody ever been there? You're like, I don't know if this is ever going to get any better. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I'm sure, Cody, you've, you've felt that way probably sometimes with your body and how things are going. You're like, okay, God, what in the world? I'm beyond my strength. This is exciting. God, am I going to make it through this day? I know there's been those days for you, but God's gotten you through. Paul He's been there. He says, my sufferings were excessive where I felt like I was being crushed. They were beyond, they were overwhelming me. They were despaired. I thought I was going to die. But then he says this, but in Jesus, Jesus raises the dead. He goes, I I didn't depend on my own strength. He said, if I would have, I would have died. But he turns his focus. He says, but in Jesus... Jesus raises the dead. In Jesus, Jesus delivers you. In Jesus, he gives you hope. This is where Paul found his hope. This is where Paul found his comfort. This is where Paul built his trust. The harder life got, the stronger his trust in Jesus got because he was reminded that Jesus raises the dead. He was reminded that Jesus delivers. And so every time he struggled, he was looking, okay, Jesus, how are you going to deliver me in this? And every time he struggled, he goes, okay, Jesus, where am I going to find hope in this now? And so he was looking because he knew there was hope. He knew that there was deliverance. He knew that the God who raised Jesus from the dead is the same God that comes alongside him. It built his trust. He says, yes, there were those times where I was so overwhelmed. My strength was at its end. All of that. He goes, yet I still built and I put my trust on God. As we go through sufferings and cry out to God, God does things beyond what we could ever imagine or think. As we cry out to him, God ministers to us and he comforts us. The fifth and final truth I'm going to talk about today, I'm sure others of us can find truths. People always come up and tell me afterwards, don't tell me today, please. Tell me next Sunday so I can stay focused on this one. Okay, thank you. Prayer is the natural response to godly suffering. Prayer is the natural response. You see, as as you are realizing that God is the God of all comfort, as you realize that God never wastes your suffering, 
as you realize that God's comfort outweighs the world's suffering, and as you are building your trust as, as suffering, as you tr- suffer, your, your trust is being built. As those th- things happen, your response, the more you're depending on God, your natural response is to voice to God. It's to cry out to God. That's what Paul says in verse 11. You also joining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through prayers, through the prayers of many. As we go through sufferings, crying out to God, we should cry out on behalf of others. Asking others to pray for Asking others how we can pray for, that should be our response. Believing that prayer is powerful. I think many of us, prayer is what you do for your food. Prayer is what you do before you go to bed. But prayer isn't always our first response. Our first response many times might be calling somebody else, but it's not, hey God, I need help in this. God, I need you in this. God, I'm, I'm broken in this. God, this is too heavy. Like prayer should be the natural response, believing that prayer works, believing that God is moved by prayer, believing that God listens to your prayers and believing that praying for each others, each other is powerful. The closer we walk with God and grow in those truths, our prayer life will grow. You see, prayer keeps our eyes looking up. Worry keeps our eyes to the ground. Prayer is, where do I look when I'm going through trouble? But I look up to the mountains. It's where the Lord brings me help. Prayer looks up saying, God, I need you. Worry looks down and in says, what can I do? As you've heard me say, I want us to be a praying church, not just a church that prays. Praying church is a church that when you know somebody's hurting and you're talking to them in the conversation, you are talking to, I'm just going to pick on Sam again because I already picked on him once. And Sam's telling me, you know, work's been tough this week and I'm, you know, doing whatever. I'm like, Sam, let's, let's pray real quick. To where when you stop and pray, like that's the natural response. It's just what we do. Because we're a praying church, not a church that prays. You understand? A church that prays, you just sort of pray when, like, hey, we pray when that's after the second song. You pray between Jeremiah, the stage promos and Jeremiah coming up. Jeremiah prays and you just pray. Well, I pray when I eat. A praying church is a church that when you hear Anthony is struggling, you go, hey, Anthony, let, let's pray together right now about that real quick. I prayed with Sean outside. Sean, was, she had a, one of our, our people, our team members here at City View had a, had a seizure this week. I said, hey, let, let's pray right now. How many of you have ever said the words, hey, I'll pray for you? Anybody ever say that before? How many of you, if you're anything like me, how many of you ever forgot to pray for that person? You said it, but you didn't do it. Anybody? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever done it. Guess how you defeat that? You pray right there. Do you think it's weird? For you, it might be weird. For them, it's a good chance it won't be weird. There's a possibility it could be weird to them. But who cares? Paul said this is where comfort is found. It's found when we pray for one another. 
As we, so many times, as we pray, we see the power of God move and do things. Praying and believing that God will answer. Praying for each other. This is seen all throughout Scripture. Romans, Paul talks about, he says, I'm strive, we're striving together with me in your prayers. Ephesians, he says, we're, with all prayers and petitions. In Philippians, he says, through your prayers and the provision of the saints. In Colossians, he talks about prayer. In James, he says, and, for, and, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Let's be a praying church. These truths, though, have nothing to do with our ability. It has everything to do with God. God is the God of all comfort. God is the God who saves. God is the God who delivers. God is the God of all mercies. God is the God of all hope. And we can trust in him. As Paul is writing this letter to this church, he's speaking to himself, understanding the the need of comfort. Understanding that through life, no matter what, we are going to walk through hard times. But as he said in verse 1, praise, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all mercy, And the God of all comfort, who wants to comfort you. Because number one, he is the originator of comfort and mercy. God will not waste your suffering. Know this, God's comforts outweigh your struggles. The more we walk through life, the more we go through, the the truths become anchors in our lives. And as we are walking through these struggles, as we walk through that, God's comforts draw us to pray. Comfort can be found in all suffering. And in that comfort, God will use it so that you can help others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you that you are the God of all comfort. That you desire to give us peace. That you want to help us walk through. That you give us strength to keep going. That you deliver us. That you give us life. Jesus, thank you for loving us. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click that follow button and tune in next week for another great message.